Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless. Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Father, thank you for a great time of worship, time to sing praises, Lord, and and just to kind of focus in our hearts and minds on you and your throne and your kingdom. And I pray now as we uh, open the truth of your word, you'd remind us of its absolute truth, of its supremacy in our lives, would remind us that every decision we make should be filtered through the truth of your word, through prayer and study. And then I pray, Lord, as we examine your word this morning through the power of the spirit lord you'd speak through us and to us lead us to obedience father help us day by day to be transformed more into the image of your son jesus christ it's in his name we pray amen take your bibles and open to genesis chapter 40 genesis 40 this has been an incredible week for our church I'd like to summarize it just for a minute if I could to kind of let you know all the things that have taken place. We have had a a great opportunity last Sunday morning with Easter to minister to probably a thousand people at Troop High School. Fantastic services there, large crowds, lots of guests, very exciting service. I felt like the Lord just moved and spoke to a lot of people, myself included. And then for me, it was kind of exciting because I finished preaching Easter Literally loaded a few things on the van with some of you other folks that were helping out at the end of the service. Hopped in the car, got to the airport, flew out to Guatemala City last Sunday night. Arrived late, got up early Monday morning, and Gary Udy and I, many of you know Gary, some of you know him from the past. Gary Udy and I got in a truck and drove from Guatemala City to the village of San Juan Moca and met our team early Monday morning, and I stayed with him the rest of the week. Did ministry, flew home yesterday. It's been a whirlwind week, but I wouldn't trade any of it. It's been an exciting time, and our team did some incredible things in Guatemala. We saw a lot of uh, lives come to Christ. We saw a lot of neat things happen in that village, and we're going to continue to go back. But Guatemala wasn't the only mission trip last week. At the same time, we were all in Guatemala, about 40 of us in Guatemala. There were about 20 people in Zambia, Africa, They spent the week ministering at New Day Orphanage. They landed safely early this morning. We greeted them by 8 o'clock in the morning in the church parking lot. And then we've got another team in South Asia. They've been there all week doing great things. And they'll land later this afternoon safely back here in America. But it's just neat to me how the Lord has used the people of Rosemont to minister literally all over the world. We had 60 plus people gone last week and uh, saw a lot of neat things. I haven't talked to all the team leaders yet personally. But it looks like we had somewhere around 75 or 80 salvations, first-time decisions last week for the gospel of Jesus Christ in our various mission trips. It's neat to see how the Lord's working. It's neat to see how God is providing and doing great things in our midst through our people at Rosemont. We had one of of the, the neatest stories to me is one of the young girls on our trip. I say young. She's a junior, senior in high school. She felt called to go. She's been visiting our church and going to the junior, senior girls Sunday school class for several months now. 
felt called to go on this trip, got to Guatemala, and through discussions with her, she recognized she wasn't a believer. So she, a member of our team, prayed to receive Christ in Guatemala last week. I had the distinct privilege of baptizing her in the swimming pool down there with her Sunday school class and her Sunday school teachers kind of surrounding her and our team standing on the edge of the pool. What a, a fantastic, exciting way to end the week. We had a team at Calumet or, or, or uh, uh, Camp Viola last week ministering to the Calumet kids as well. Just great things happened last week at Rosemont. It's just an exciting week for our church. God is good and continues to bless us. And there are many more opportunities. So thank you, those of you that weren't able to go, that prayed for all the teams, that sent encouragement cards, that gave money financially for people to be able to go. It's a team effort. And I just really look at weeks like this and I see the body of Christ mobilized to do the great work of the Lord. See, part of what we do is come here. This is corporate worship and we do this and we're going to continue to do this because the Lord calls us to do it. But it doesn't stop here. If you see your faith is stopping at noon on Sunday morning, you're you're missing not only the truth of the word of God, but an incredible blessing in your life. Because the call is to come here, learn about the Lord, kind of be refueled and refilled, then to actually go out in the world and do something about it. And that's what we're serious about doing here. We're going to continue to do it, continue to, to challenge people to go. So you be in prayer about how the Lord's going to continue to use you. Now, Genesis chapter 40. As you've turned there this morning, we're going to continue our study. Over the last few weeks, we've encountered the young man named Joseph. And Joseph is an interesting figure in Scripture because he takes up about a fourth, the last 25% or so of the book of Genesis. And Joseph is an interesting guy because the Lord's going to do great things in his life. If you kind of take a step back, a big picture approach and look at the life of Joseph, you begin to understand that God's going to do some great things through Joseph somewhere out here in the future. But in the meantime, things are really tough. In the meantime, it's a real struggle for him. In the meantime, he's going to endure great hardships. And so we've looked at his life a little bit and we saw that he was loved by his father, kind of favorite of the sons. Because of that, the brothers hated him. He has these dreams from the Lord, kind of these big visions of what the Lord's going to do through him. He tells his brothers, his brothers hate him even more. So they take him out, they throw him in a pit, they, they decide they're going to kill him. At the last moment, they decide we're not going to kill him, instead we're going to sell him into slavery. So Joseph is sold into slavery. He goes to Egypt, separated from his family and everything that he knows, brought into the house of Potiphar, and in that house, he's going to do some pretty good things. And so I want to think this morning as we kind of continue our study of Joseph about kind of one simple idea because we, we've learned already through Joseph's life and we're going to see it again this morning that just because the Lord has called you to great things, just because the Lord wants to do great things through you does not mean your journey is going to be easy. We understand that, right? It doesn't mean it's all going to be roses. <laughs> And so what we see in Joseph is a man who's been called to great things, finds himself in difficult circumstances. And it's interesting to me as we study through this, learning how Joseph responds through the power of the Lord within those difficult circumstances. And so here's the question I want to kind of answer this morning. How should we respond in difficult situations? 
When you find yourself in a tight spot, a difficult situation, whether it's with your marriage or with your job or with a family member or a health issue or finances or whatever the case may be, when you find yourself in a difficult situation, how do you, through the power of the Lord, respond to these situations? Because there's a right way to respond as Joseph does, and there's a wrong way to respond. And so I want to examine the truth of Scripture this morning. I want to see exactly how God uses Joseph, even in difficult circumstances, to accomplish great things for him. Now, if you've got your Bibles, we're in Genesis chapter 40. I want to back up just a few verses at the end of 39 to remind us kind of where we've been and make sure we understand the context. So Genesis 39, beginning verse 20, we have it on the screen for you. It says this, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Remember, Joseph is in Potiphar's house. Things are going really well for Joseph. Potiphar has put him in charge of the whole household. Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of doing something he didn't do. Potiphar believes his wife, throws him in prison. So we're in verse 20. But while Joseph was in prison there, the Lord was with him. Verse 21. He showed him kindness granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. By the way, this is a theme that runs throughout the story of Joseph. God is with Joseph, he blesses Joseph, and he gives him great success. Now verse 20. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Verse 23. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So even in the midst of, of being in slavery, even in the midst of being now in prison, God is going to bless Joseph, use Joseph, and give Joseph success in all things. So we pick up our story now in verse 1 of chapter 40. Sometime later, those are famous last words, right? We're not talking about a few days or a few weeks, or even a few months. Most scholars believe between two and three years, Joseph has kind of been languishing in this prison. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. These are two important people. We'll get there in just a minute. Verse 4. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Verse 6. When Joseph came to meet them the next morning, he saw they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Now let's stop there for a few minutes and let's think about responding in difficult situations because there's some things that Joseph does that I think we can apply to our lives in very difficult situations to allow the Lord to use us. Here's the first truth I want you to see. Number one, when we find ourselves in difficult situations, we must be aware of God's divine appointments. When we find ourselves in difficult situations, we must be aware of God's divine appointments. Now, divine appointment is when God places somebody in your life 
at a specific moment in your life to do something pretty incredible for the Lord. When we used to do faith visits, some of you used to go out with us on faith visits. We would go to somebody's house and there were times where we would come back and kind of report and we would say, listen, this was a divine appointment because we showed up and the Lord had already prepared the heart of this person. The Lord had already prepared our hearts. All we had to really do was kind of show up at this person's house and because the Lord was kind of in this picture and the Lord had kind of orchestrated all this to happen, great things took place. Joseph in prison with no control himself, meets all of a sudden these two very important people, the cupbearer and the baker. You say, now these, these, are, these are people that are maybe interesting, but, but why would you say they're important, right? One of them just kind of pours the, the wine for the king, the other cooks the food. Why are these people so important? Well, they had very, very, very important roles for the Pharaoh, for the king of Egypt. The cupbearer was literally the one that would pour the wine, taste the wine, wait a few minutes, If he didn't die, there was no poison in the wine, he'd give it to the king. That's a good job, right? Job security. Either you're going to keep your job or you're going to die. Those are really your two choices, you know? So hopefully nobody poisons the wine and you give it to the king. The baker was the one who did the same thing with the food. He prepared the food, made sure the food was safe for the king to eat, made sure it was properly prepared, and he served the king. So these two men were in very close proximity to the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, the most powerful leader in the world. You understand? So when Joseph kind of bumps into these two guys, so to speak, in prison that day, these weren't just two ordinary prisoners. These were very, very important people. One writer explained it like this. From the beginning of Joseph's ordeal in Egypt, he toiled in the company of powerful administrators who observed his special gifts. Now let's Let's not just chalk all this up to circumstance. Let's not just say this was just some sort of a strange coincidence that just happened in the prison. What we need to understand and said is based on the truth of the scripture is we see over and over again that God was with Joseph, that God worked in Joseph's life, and that God was orchestrating these things to happen in this prison cell. You kind of see the fingerprints of the Lord all over this. It wasn't a mistake that Joseph met these people. We would say kind of in the terms I used a few minutes ago, this was a divine appointment. Here's what I want you to understand about a divine appointment. Sometimes God places us in divine appointments to give us a chance to do great things. You understand that? Sometimes God places us in situations to give us an opportunity to do great things for him. But here's the problem. We become so inward focused. We become so interested in our lives and what we're trying to accomplish in our little world that oftentimes we're focusing on ourselves and we miss all the things that happen around us. All the divine appointments that the Lord maybe have put in our paths, we set them aside because we're too focused on what we got to accomplish. You ever had one of these moments where you meet somebody in the grocery store and you just have just kind of a casual conversation? Or maybe you go get your gas at the convenience store and you strike up a conversation with a person across the way pumping their gas. Or you just have one of these conversations and you get home, and I do this sometimes. I'll get home at night and I'll be laying in bed at night and I'll, I'll ask myself, I'll ask the Lord, Lord, did I, did I miss something there? Was that an opportunity for me maybe to share my faith that I missed? Was that an opportunity maybe to speak truth into this person's life? Was that an opportunity just to have prayer with this person? I just wonder, I'm speaking for myself, I can't speak for you. I just wonder how many times I miss divine appointments because I'm so busy with my own thoughts. 
Lord, I don't have time for this divine appointment in Walmart because I got this list, Lord. Don't you see this list? You know, and I got to be home by five, and so I got to get this list done. I can't talk to the guy at the checkout line. Or, Lord, I got to get this gas pump because I got to run, pick this kid up at practice, and then I got to go do this and pick up this, and I don't have time to talk to this guy across the way. Or, Lord, I don't have time at work to do this because the boss has given me this job. And, and we just kind of we just kind of set these maybe divine appointments aside, and we say, Lord, I just don't have time to do these kinds of things. I just wonder how many times the Lord wants to use these opportunities for us to accomplish great things for him if we'll just open our eyes to it. Imagine if Joseph in prison had said, you know what? I don't care about this. Whatever, man. Go do what you want to do. I'm, I'm in here. I'm, I'm innocent and this is wrong and they've, they've messed me up. And I'm just going to get over here in the corner and sulk. I'm just going to be angry about this. I don't care about you or your dreams. Just do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. Imagine if he'd have missed that opportunity. But instead, God placed him in this moment. Joseph recognized those opportunities. And because he trusted the Lord in those moments, God used him to do great things. One of the neat things we have the opportunity to do when we're on mission, and in Guatemala especially, is we do evangelism. So if you ever go with us to Guatemala, you're going to, at some point during the week, go out and do evangelism. And when we say evangelism in Guatemala, that means you're going to be placed on a team. We're going to give you a translator, two or three Rosemont people, and a local guide, and you're going to literally set off into the jungle. You say, that, you say, that scares me to death. It's, it's really cool. Because you, you get to walk in people's homes in their environment and have conversations about their lives. There's nothing fake about it. Very real, very raw oftentimes. And what we see a lot of times walking into these huts and these jungles, and by the way, we do evangelism all week. Every morning and every afternoon, teams of people go out into the villages from Rosemont, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what we see a lot of times on those trips are people that are very sick because they don't have the medicines we have. They don't have the opportunities we have. We see this in, in, in Zambia. We see it in South Asia as well. They don't have the sort of opportunities we have. And so we encounter people that are very sick. And we have these incredible chances to pray with them. One of our teams this week walked into a home and they said they'd been in the home several minutes talking to the man through a translator. And, they, and, and by the way, when I say a home, we're talking about the size of this stage, maybe this podium area. One room, that's all they have. Tin roof, bamboo, dirt floor, maybe a bed, probably not. More like just some cloth on the floor where they sleep. And they're in the room talking, and they said they'd been there several minutes talking to this man, and they began to hear, hear what they thought was kind of a moaning, like a groaning sound. And they said as they kind of looked around a little bit more, they realized that the wife, this man's wife, was laying under their small little table. She was so sick, she couldn't even get out from under the table. She literally couldn't move. And so they said our team really got down on their hands and knees on that dirt floor and reached under that table so they could hold that lady's hand to have prayer with her. That's a pretty common thing we see down there. Last year, one of our teams went into a home and there was a lady that was very sick. In fact, she was so sick, the, the husband said, we think she's going to die within just a few weeks. We took the doctor back with us and the doctor said, she probably has cancer. It's in, in the final stages. There's not a whole lot we can do for her. She's probably got a few days, maybe a few weeks to live. That's what we were told. And so we did the only thing we could do. We, we laid hands on the woman. We prayed for the woman to be healed and then we just left. That's the difficult part about going and doing mission work is sometimes you just kind of have to walk away and trust the Lord. So a year later, this past trip, we do the same thing we do every time. We send teams into the jungle. We take translators with us. We take guides with us. And one of our teams walked up to this hut. And as they were standing there, some of the team members said, you know, we think we recognize this place. We think we, we recognize this area and maybe even this hut. As they begin to notice and talk a little bit more, what they realize is they were in that same hut from last year. 
And as they began to talk to the people of the hut, they realized that the woman they were talking to was the same woman last year who had been laying in the floor near death's door. They thought she only had a few days to live. The Lord had miraculously healed her. Not only was she healed, but our team said she looked great. Like she looked really, really healthy. Not only was she healed and looked really, really healthy, but when our team presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to her, she prayed to receive Christ. A salvation moment for our team. Now, you can't tell me, you can't convince me, no matter what you say, that those weren't divine appointments. You can't convince me that our team wasn't sent there to pray for that woman for healing. You can't convince me that our team wasn't sent there a year later to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with that woman for her to receive salvation. God did that work in the lives of our people. God used us to do miraculous things through that healing and through that salvation moment. Those are divine appointments. All we had to do, now watch this now, all we had to do was show up. You understand that? You say, I don't know if I can do that kind of stuff, praying and people getting healed and salvation. You just show up. <laughs> just show up and trust the Lord. Lord, I'm here. I don't know how to, I don't know about healing, Lord. I don't know about salvation. I don't know how, I don't know how all this works, Father, but I'm here and I trust you and I'll let you use me. See, when we encounter these divine opportunities in our lives, when we encounter these divine appointments, God says, listen, I've got all this worked out, Adam. (laughs) I've kind of already brought you here for a reason. I've brought this person here for a reason. I put y'all in a room together for a reason. I'm going to handle his heart. I'm going to handle really the things you say and how he perceives what you say. I kind of got this, Adam. You just show up and be obedient and I'll take it from there. And yet far too often we're just too busy, aren't we? We're too busy to allow the Lord to use us. We're too busy to allow him to do great things through us. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling right now, going through difficult times, if you find yourself in in kind of a tight spot, I would encourage you to, 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 to fight the battle against becoming more and more inward focused and kind of throwing the pity party, the woe is me, Lord, why are you letting this happen to me kind of a thought? And instead, open your eyes to the world around you and say, okay, God, this is a very difficult time for me and I'm really struggling, but I know there's more out there for me. Father, open my eyes to all the divine appointments you've got for me, all the ways you want to use me. Lord, I'll show up and be obedient and you do great things through me. I promise as you begin to do that, your eyes are going to be open to the glory of the Lord. And the bad spot you thought you were in, you're going to realize all of a sudden, you know, the Lord's right here with me. And the Lord's doing some pretty neat things through me. Now notice, let's continue our study, what the Lord does through Joseph, verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put, them, put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. Verse 14, this is an important verse. But when all goes well with you, this is Joseph speaking, remember me, show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. 
For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Verse 16. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods from Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. That's a tough dream, isn't it? That's the kind of dream you don't want to have. We have a good dream interpreted by Joseph, and we have a bad dream interpreted by Joseph. But I want you to notice, if we flip back, and let's pull it up again, verse 8, if we could, of chapter 40. This is important. This sets the stage for us about what's going about to happen. Listen to what happens when these two men come to Joseph. Verse 8. We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to who? God, right? See, Joseph understands from the beginning, whatever situation I'm in, whatever dream God's given to you, whatever interpretation of that dream may come, whatever the future holds, it's not really about you, it's not really about me, it's always just about the Lord, isn't it? So here's truth number two. When we find ourselves in difficult situations, we must trust God above all things. We must trust God above all things. Now, some are probably thinking, so these two guys had a dream. Cupbearer and the baker had a dream. What's the big deal, you may say? I have dreams all the time. I don't understand why this is such a big deal, why we learn so much from these dreams. Well, because in this context... In this time period, and and, and frankly, in in other parts of the world, even today, God speaks to people through dreams. Now, I've said this before. I I may have said it 15 or 20 times. I'm going to say it again because it's worth your time. If you've never done this, you ought to go home and you ought to spend 10 minutes on the Internet researching Muslims and dreams about Jesus. You could just Google that. Just Google Muslim dreams about Jesus. Just spend 10 minutes and you'll thank me for it later. It's happening all over the world. You just read account after account after account of people coming to Christ through dreams. Now, they don't wake up a Christian. Let's not be confused. They still have to be confronted with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what this dream does is it starts them on a path. And they begin to seek out things of the word. And maybe they find a Bible or they find a local believer or they find a missionary that shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. These people come to faith in Jesus because of these dreams. I had a man in the, in the 930 service Brian Doman, many of you guys know Brian. I'm sure he'll tell you if you ask him the story. He was in China with work just a few weeks ago, and he stood right down here 30 minutes ago, and he, he held a letter in his hand. He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, I'm going to teach in Sunday school this morning about my trip to China, and he had the opportunity to meet with some believers and go to a church over there. He said, I've got a, a letter here from one of the believers. He wrote it to me explaining to Brian his salvation to Jesus Christ and how it happened through a dream he had. Now, the Lord is moving. You may not believe it, and you may not understand it, you may not see it in your own life, but you need to rest assured the Lord is absolutely at work. In fact, we had a lady just this last week. Some of our ladies showed up at one of these visits at her house, and the lady said, you're not going to believe this, but this is the the Guatemala lady. She said, I had a dream last night that white women were going to come to my house and bring me tortillas. Now, here's what you need to understand. In that village, they're not any white people. 
It just doesn't happen. In fact, when we drive in the village, all the children, this is true. If you've ever been, you know what I'm talking about. As the bus comes driving in the village, all the little children come running out of their huts and they start screaming, gringos, gringos. That's a white person because they don't see white people. So this lady had this vision. These white women were going to come and bring her tortillas. They shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. She accepted Christ. And she said, what a far greater gift than tortillas you have brought me. How cool is that? I'm telling you though, man, we, we get so, and I'm, I'm, I'm just as guilty as you are. We get so caught up in our little world, we miss that there's this whole spiritual realm of divine appointments and this whole spiritual realm of the, of the Lord at work in our lives and wanting to use us. And if we'll trust him and, and put him above all things and allow him to use us, great things will happen. This is the story of the life of Joseph, right? Here's kind of a nobody that God says, listen, I'm going to do great things through you. And he explained it to him through how? A dream. I was reading one commentary this week and he was talking about this dream and the parallels to the gospel. I thought it was very interesting. One of the things we talk about with Joseph is he's a type of Christ, right? We can learn about the future Messiah through some of the things of Joseph. He reminds us some of Jesus, and one of the things this commentary brought out was these two dreams, how these two men, the, the cupbearer and the baker, had both sinned against their master and were receiving punishment because of it. It's kind of a picture of salvation. They sinned, they were separated from their master. One of them received grace and forgiveness. The other received the penalty due him because of his failure. It's a picture of salvation. When we sin, we're separated from the Lord. The only thing that can bring us back in right standing with the Lord is Christ. And because of the grace he offers us, we're forgiven. Without Christ, apart from Christ, we suffer the fate that we deserve. Eternal punishment because of our sins. It's just a picture of the gospel. But I want to point something out to you very quickly before we continue to move on. Look at verse 14. Can you bring that up for me, please, Stephen? It's almost as if we kind of, we've gone this, through this, this whole picture of Joseph and all he's gone through. We haven't really seen his heart necessarily in his struggles. But verse 14 is so clear to me. Look at what he says. He's kind of interpreted the dreams. And then he says in verse 14, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Right? You kind of get this sense that Joseph kind of gets his hopes up. Joseph kind of thinks, listen, I'm going to interpret this dream. This is what the Lord showed me. The Lord is right and true and I trust him. This is what the dream means. When you go back and... Tell Pharaoh this is your dream and when all these things actually happen, remember me, put in a good word for me, maybe I can get out of this prison, right? Joseph is hopeful. Maybe after all these years of slavery and all these years of being in a prison, after I hadn't done anything wrong, maybe now finally I can come out. Now look at verse 20, let's see what happens. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. He gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of his chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. Verse 21. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. That's exactly what Joseph would happen. That dream has come true. Verse 22. But he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. And then maybe the saddest verse in this whole chapter. The chief cupbearer, however did not remember Joseph, he forgot him. Here's truth number three. This will hit home with a lot of people. 
When we find ourselves in difficult situations, we must wait on the Lord's perfect timing. When we find ourselves in difficult situations, we have to wait on the Lord's perfect timing. Now, I'm going to give you a, a simple piece of biblical truth. Some of you have learned in your lives and figured out, and some of you haven't yet, but here's the very simple truth. God's timing and our timing are usually not the same. Now, we can learn that through scripture study or we can kind of learn that on the streets, so to speak, the hard way, right? Most of us have learned it the hard way. We begin to realize that, you know what, God doesn't answer the prayers we want him to answer in the time that we want him to answer always. And so we kind of find ourselves in these strange sort of moments where we say, you know, Lord, I've, I've been really praying about this situation. And I've really trusted you, Lord, and I believe you're really going to work in my life. And I'm, I've been studying the scripture, and I've, I've tried to give it all to you. But, Lord, you're not answering this prayer in the time that I think you ought to answer it. And so we find ourselves in, in these types of situations where we begin to say something like this. Maybe God's not really going to work in my life. Or maybe there really isn't any hope for this. Or maybe God doesn't truly care about what's going on in my life. None of those things are the case. What's actually happening is the Lord saying to you, listen, just because I'm not answering your prayer now doesn't mean I'm not at work. It just means our timing is different. What you want to happen now, I want it to happen in a couple of months or a couple of years or a couple of decades. <laughs> you say, why would the Lord do something like that to me? Why wouldn't the Lord just answer my prayer the moment I ask? Because the Lord is way more interested in your holiness than what makes you happy today. You understand that? God says, yeah, I can answer your prayer today, but it wouldn't be good for you in the long run. <laughs> I could answer your prayer today, but it wouldn't drive you to more faith than me. I could answer your prayer now, but it wouldn't create within you a desire to be more holy every moment of every day. See, if God had taken Joseph out of that prison at that very moment, if God had gotten him out like Joseph wanted him to, Joseph never would have ascended to where he ascended. He wouldn't have saved all those people, and God couldn't have used him in incredible ways. Instead, we see that God's timing and Joseph's timing were not the same. Some of you are thinking, I'm in difficult situations now. I get this. I understand. I'm struggling with these things right now. So I want to give you, I want to leave you as I finish up this morning with three very simple things. I want to encourage you to do, based on what we've already seen this morning in Scripture, ways you can kind of apply this to your life. Here are three things you can do if you find yourself in a very difficult situation. Here's number one. Based on this Scripture, remember always that God is in control, not you. If you could just start there in all aspects of your faith, things would be much better for you. The moment we come to this realization that God is in control and I'm not, it kind of takes us to a different place. It's kind of like flying on an airplane, right? We flew home yesterday and we have teams flying home today. At some point, if you've ever flown, you're up in the sky and you're in some turbulence or a cloud, it dawns on you have absolutely no control over anything that's about to happen. None. It's kind of like that in our lives, right? We think we have control. We think we're kind of directing the path, but the Bible teaches us time and time again that God is actually in control of all things. Let's just give him the control. Let him worry about it. I laugh with people a lot of times because I, I drive a really old truck. I love my old truck, by the way. It sits right out there. You see it every Sunday morning. It's a 96 Ford Ranger. The odometer stopped at 228,000 miles. Have no idea what's on it now. 
Don't buy it used from me because I really don't know how many miles are on it. But it, I, I laugh with people because I'm 100% serious about this. That, God gave me that truck. I'll tell you the story another time. God gave me that truck. Literally, I didn't pay a penny for that truck. God gave me that truck. And so I've said from day one, it's his truck. You know what that means for me? I don't have to worry about if I scratch it or if it's not running properly or it doesn't look all the great because it's his truck. He can do with it as he pleases. I'm just a steward of it. You know how freeing that is? Seriously, you know how freeing that is? Not to have to worry about something like that? When we begin to realize that God's in control of all things anyway and we're not, it frees us up to just trust him. Lord, I'm just going to trust you and let you worry about all this stuff. I'm just going to follow you and let you worry about all this stuff. I'll seek you, Lord. I'll study your word. I'll pray to you. I'll try to follow you and live my life to bring you honor and glory. And then you just take care of the rest. We need to remember God's in control, not us. Here's the second thing. Give yourself to others. Serve other people. Notice what Joseph does here. Joseph, Joseph doesn't sulk in the corner and, and find bitterness and anger and become enraged at these other guys. He could have ignored them. He could have set them aside. He was in charge of the prison. He could have given them hard labor. Instead, you know what he does? He listens. He notices. There's this moment in the scripture where the Bible says he notices that they're downcast. He notices something's wrong. And they say, we've had these dreams. And Joseph says, you know, through the power of the Lord, I can help you here. I can serve you. God can use me in this moment so he can receive glory. One writer kind of explained it like this. I love the, the, kind of the big picture view of what he says here. Listen to his words. If Joseph hadn't served the cupbearer and the baker, he would have never heard and interpreted their dreams. If he hadn't interpreted their dreams... He would have never interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, right? That's what's coming, right? This is the next step for us in our story. If he hadn't interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, he would have never been placed in a position to deliver the covenant people of God because what's going to happen is he's going to rescue all these people from this famine. And if he hadn't delivered the covenant people of God, the Messiah never would have come to save us from our sins. There's this, we're drawing this comparative line here. Remarkably, here's what this author says, our salvation was in part... Tied to Joseph's willingness to serve his fellow prisoners when others may have been swirling in depression, asking, why me, God? You know, if you find yourself in a difficult situation, I would encourage you to serve and give yourself to others and allow the Lord to use you. And then number three, as I finish up, the third thing, wait on the Lord. His timing is not your timing. His timing is not your timing. If God had taken Joseph out of prison in the moment he asked, the plan God had laid out for Joseph never would have been completed. And so the question isn't, is God working in my life? Because he is. The question is, what's his timing going to be like, Lord? Give me the strength and the ability to endure this difficult situation until I get to the place you want to get me to so you can use me for great things. Some of you have heard the name Adoniram Judson. He was a famous missionary to Burma in the 1800s. He wanted to go to India, but the borders were closed. He couldn't get in. So he goes to Burma with with a very simple desire to plant one church and to reach 100 people for Christ. Five or six or seven or eight years later, he still hadn't reached anybody for Jesus. In fact, I think it was like eight years into his service, something like that, before he reached one person for Christ. In the midst of not reaching people for Christ, he was thrown into prison. He was tortured while in prison. Some of his work in trying to translate the Bible into the Burmese language was destroyed. 
He lost a son and he lost a wife in the process. He literally talked about at some point he was so sick after he had lost his family. He literally dug his own grave and sat beside it for several days just praying. Now from an earthly standpoint, his life was horrific. So as the story goes, in the process of all this, he received a letter from a friend. And the letter said, look, how's it going in Burma? What's the outlook He replied, the outlook is as bright as the promises of God. He spent 37 of his 61 years as a missionary abroad, and he died on a boat returning home in the mid-1850s. He left Burma with a goal to plant one church and reach 100 people. Upon his death, he left behind 100 churches with more than 8,000 believers, and his legacy still lives on today. You see, even in very, very difficult situations, God still uses us. So the question is, do we find our hope in the things of the world and in our own strength and our own abilities? Or do we find our hope in the things of Christ? That's the question we have to answer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the story of Joseph and what he's shown us and given us and Lord the ways in which we can learn from his faithfulness and how you used him Father I pray as we walk through difficult situations whatever those situations may be that you just remind us of what Joseph accomplished of his faithfulness to you Father of the divine appointments of how you were always at work in his heart and in his life of how he served others gave himself to others Father about how you used him to accomplish great things may that bring us comfort But may it also remind us, Father, that there's much work to be done. So, Father, you use us, you equip us, you call us, Father, you place us in those moments you see fit. Not for our own benefit, Lord, but so you can use us to do great great things. And we're going to give you the praise, and we're going to give you the honor, and we're going to give you the glory for everything you do. Because it's all because of you, Lord, not anything that we've done. It's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity, as we always do. The altar is open. Maybe you need to pray about how God's using you. And I I just want to encourage you. You should never respond because of anything I've said. You should respond as the Lord speaks to you. So this is your time as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.